usual, working and mom life. Um, my daughter started like tumbling cheer classes. So that's kind of what she's been up to one day a week. And <laughs> through work, I'm starting a Northern and Indigenous advisory panel for the Rising Youth Program. So that's something kind of that's up and coming that's been taking a lot of my time. Um, but my week has been good and we've had really nice weather here in Saskatoon. So mm. I'm, yeah. That's I'm awesome. How was your week, Shyla? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. It's, it's actually quite busy. Um, I mean, all good things, of course. Um, sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed and I'm actually really surprised at how I'm kind of getting through everything, but, um, it's really good just, um, still trucking through my 300 hour it's 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 really incredible we're learning about trauma-informed yoga um social justice our social identity um just some really incredible things and meeting some super in- incredible people along the way so that's awesome yeah. i'm so excited for you to like finish it and kind of get you know to the end of it right that's yeah me too me too girl um yeah so this week it's been good like I'm healing from surgery um like I'm not in the sling anymore um I can't really move my arm as like quick or as fast as I would like it to be but you know um, nonetheless I'm healing and I'm on the road to the recovery so I'm excited and uh yeah this week we had like an unexpected meeting with uh these people and that cool opportunity is like kind of sitting in front so we'll share a little bit more like um going further with the comeback but it's gonna kind of we're gonna take it into a different transition um venture so I'm excited to see that um going and yeah, like I, it's just been a good week. I mean, I can't complain. The weather is beautiful. So it's like, you know, mm. you have that bad like girl energy, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Alicia, can you elaborate? <laughs> On that, yeah. On that <laughs> girl energy. Yeah, well, bad bitch energy, you know. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's been good. But tonight I'm super excited. Like we have a super amazing guest um, watching her story and her glow up and just, you know, she became a lawyer. Um, I think she just recently passed the bar, which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. I just crept her Instagram. And so if you just might have gotten like a like a heart on maybe a really old photo, that was me. <laughs> I was creeping. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Wait, when you accidentally do that, I like, a, like a photo from like seven years ago, and you're like, oh. I know, I was like oh. creeping, and I'm like scrolling, and I was like, ooh, I was like, okay, and then I like actually looked at it, and it like hearted it. I was like, ooh, that's like from like years ago. <laughs> I was like, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess like, do you want to introduce her, and then we can bring her in, yeah, and we can just kind of have a good conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, st- so, I'll do our intro quickly. Great. <laughs> uh, alrighty, okay, I'm going to hit record. So um, hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. Today is uh, season two, episode four. Uh, you're joined here with me, Alicia, Shyla, and Kayla and our new uh, and our guest, um, Allison Bear. So welcome and Kayla will introduce her. 
Yeah, so Allison Bear just found out she passed the bar. Um, she's a single mama. She's proud to be from Whitecap, Dakota First Nation and of her Dakota and Anishinaabe heritage. Um, so I'm really excited. My path has crossed with Allison a couple of times already. And I just absolutely love hearing um, learning more about her each time. So welcome, Allison. Yes, welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me tonight. I'm, I'm grateful that you guys invited me to join the show. And, you know, especially because it's the Comeback Society and mm. it's meaning to it. So. Yeah, so um, just like I, because I was reading and like I know you were kind of involved in the car accident and then you kind of like came back. And so when like when Kayla had asked, suggested you on the podcast, I was like, this is exactly like kind of, I mean, no other person will understand like that biggest comeback, right? And so like a little bit was like I was involved in a car accident as well. And that's kind of how the comeback was born was through that. Um, and then realizing that it's like that mindset like, that you have to just tell yourself every day that I'm going, I want different, I want better. And so that's like a lot to do with you. So I will let you talk and share your story. So just tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I was born and raised in Saskatoon. You know, I lived back and forth between Saskatoon and Whitecap. And Whitecap is 20 minutes south of the city. Uh, you know, the Dakota Dunes is out there. And so it's pretty well known. My mom is from Cody First Nation. So she's in Anishinaabe. My dad's Dakota. And she's in Anishinaabe. And that's uh, you know, how I identify myself as a Dakota Winyan predominantly because, you know, it's, I, yeah, so your identity is really important and who you are and, you know, having a comeback, you know, mm. and I, that finding out who I am and finding my identity is why I was able to make a bounce back like the way that I did because mm. my was when I was 17, you know, I was just like about to, you know, be a into a woman, about to graduate uh, high school, and I ended up being cross face first out of windshield, and my whole right side was totally mangled. My face was mangled. I lost my right eye, so I could take my eye, eye out. You know, I'm like, holy man, the insecurities that come with that. And yeah. The team. And so I, you know, I, I, I persevered, and I went to post-sec, and that's when I started wanting to figure out more about who I am because you're, we're born into the society that's very much so tells to tell you who you are. You know, we're, we're born in a colonial capitalistic society, so they try to shape you all the time. And yet, so finding your identity is really what's going to make you stronger. It's going to give you roots. It's going to yeah. ground you. And so that's what my post-secondary journey was all about, going to undergrad. You know, I remember just going up to professors and kind of like asking them questions that they didn't have answers to kind of about myself. So I wanted to know more. So I, I angled my studies that way. I, I majored in sociology and I minored in Indigenous studies. And I made sure that my papers were stuff that I was interested in, not stuff that they wanted me to write about. Mm -hmm. And then so sometimes I came into conflict with professors here and there. And I mean, um, you know, it was either we were best buds or it was like we were not best buds. So um, I feel like people can relate to that and so you know sometimes you just got to keep fighting um to oh it says it's hard to hear her somebody yeah. yeah is there maybe like a fan going or something there's a little bit of feedback on hello, hello. You better... I turn the volume up. okay let's just uh, one second i'm gonna 
I hear like a little like buzzing noise. Yeah, do you guys hear that? Like it's it has that little bit of like um a buzz. Yeah, I hear that. It sounds like a fan. <laughs> Who has their fan on? Hang on, I might maybe it's So sorry. Sorry guys. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Well, Russell, uh, Sun Eagle said, what's up, fam? He is um, He's going to be joining one of our episodes as well, but he's uh, based in Oklahoma and he runs a podcast as well. So what's up? Thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, well, I think like let's just kind of continue. It's kind of gone away a little bit, but yeah, that's amazing. And like, you know, from when, when you were talking, I, I kind of related like, you know, you found your identity while going to university and like after your accident and um, did you think that had like lost? Like, so we, you know, my belief that is like, once you find your voice, you kind of find out who you are. And once you have your voice, like nothing can be taken from that, right? It can't be taken away from you. And you really change the way that you kind of move throughout your life. And is that, was that kind of the same feelings for you? Like when you were um, going through your studies? Yeah, I think it's about like owning your truth, right? Mm -hmm. Owning your scars. Like, I mean, we all have scars, whether they're visible or they're on, you know, the inside. We all been through stuff and it's, you know, or our experiences that make us who, is, who we are. But a lot of people, we're kind of like told to, you know, shut that out or deny it or, you know, um, you, you can't bring that, you have to leave that at home. You can't bring that to work. You can't do this. You say, okay, I'm going to break who I am. So like, even when I was interviewed for law firms, I was like straight up, one of the first things I said was I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. You know, we try to hide, we try to maybe hide that because that might deter them from wanting to hire you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm like, this is, what I'm good at. I'm good at multitasking. I can handle this. I can handle being a mom and that school. I can handle, you know. So I was very straightforward and I owned who I was and I walked into the room. Mm -hmm. So that kind of allowed me to have different job opportunities, fortunately, which a lot of people don't have. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I really think like embracing who you are, your scars and everything, you know, like, I, and then for the longest time, like, so this my eye, right? It's like, I wouldn't, I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, I wanted to keep it a secret that I had one eye, and like, you know, it feels like embarrassing or something, You're like, oh my God, I have one eye, like, you know, get labeled, like, oh, are you disabled, things like that, so, mm -hmm. like, no, like, this is, makes me stronger, this yeah. makes me feel, like, unique and beautiful in my own way, so, yeah, definitely, only who you are. I... I first heard you speak at um, the, I'm going to butcher this, Wachitawin Conference. Uh, a few years, sorry, how do you say it? Just Wachitawin. Okay, don't ask me why I'm trying to like fancy it up somehow. Typical. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, and there you told the story about, you told the story of your accident and how um, you had to like basically prove yourself to the insurance people. And one of the quotes that kind of came out of that was, um, I am pr proving those old white men wrong. And I'm just like, yes. yes. And that's just stuck in my mind. And it's like, so admirable. Um, your strength is like really admirable. And like, how was that situation? Like, that's... I know sometimes like uh, saying things like that, people don't want to say things like that, but that's just the truth, right? That's mm -hmm. speaking that truth. It's we li there's a there's an 
old boys club, you know, that runs things. And, and we need to be, if we're not going to acknowledge that, then we're never going to get past that. If we can't be aware of that, then we're not going to have great solutions that are going to help us as women and as indigenous women overcome these barriers where people are always kind of looking down on you because I was told right away when I was an undergrad, like I was like, I had two kids, I was applying to law school, and I had numerous older white men tell me that you can't do this, like don't even bother, or do part-time, or this and that, but that just made me want to do it more. That's like, I want to prove all these old white men wrong, and they they wrote that down, and they made it a meme, and I was like, oh, dude, that's kind of... (laughs) Absolutely. I like, uh, I think I as well feed off of like doing things that are kind of out of the norm and especially doing things that people tell me I can't do, which is a little, I guess, a little bit of my rebellious side. Yeah, that's a rebel thing. And then also being a mother. And I see so many people like, so I grew up with a lot of friends who had children young and you know, and a lot of people kind of like put this like a like barriers on them, like as if they couldn't finish school or they couldn't do that. Oh, you gotta go be a mom. You gotta go you do that. Like no. So when I had kids, like I was like 23, I was pretty young, but I was just like, I'm not gonna give up on my dreams because I'm a mom. Like this is like I'm still gonna, even though it's like really hard to balance all. But I mean, it's, like it doesn't mean like oh, it's, you've got to stop all your dreams because you're a mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that you more so have to persevere as a mom because you're setting that example for your children. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I have like failure really isn't it? Like yes, we do fail at some things, but I guess quitting isn't an option because I have people looking up to me. Well, that's like this. So this past Friday, we got our, our like grades back from the bar assessment, and I was like so happy, like I was bawling, I was crying, but it was because like I know that I can provide for my children. You know mm-hmm. that that I have a job, and I'm going to be able to no matter what, like I'll figure it out, whatever, wherever I end up, whatever career path I take with it. But I'm going to be able to provide for my kids. Mm-hmm. One, and that's really why I want to get educated as well because you know, like, I want to be you know, independent. I want to be independent. Your mic, I think it just kind of like went out again, and then yeah. it's yeah, I think there's just we're going to be again. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry about all the technical difficulties, guys. Uh, we're learning as we're... Oh! podcast um has like preloaded um soundboards <laughs> i accidentally just hit one so i am so oh sorry yeah um yeah i'm trying to figure out like what the why do you happen to have a pair of headphones maybe mm. like if you maybe connect to like headphones i don't know if that it, it could be the fix but uh, let me see here yeah. we could give that a shot <laughs> Oh, I don't have that kind of cord. Hang on, one second. Okay. <laughs> Little break. <laughs> oh, 
what is everyone up to in Facebook land? Yes. So <laughs> Helen, she says, hi, ladies. Hello. I hope you're having a good week. Paige Richards, um, she laughed at us. <laughs> <laughs> when the crowd cheered. When the crowd cheered. Yeah, I accidentally, like, I just, I can't really, like, I'm using, like, my one arm to try to manage to hit, touch stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I just hit it. <laughs> Okay. Do you guys like it? Like, this is what I get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, it's, it's from my junk drawer. It's not really. I cannot try to untangle this right now, real quick. Okay, okay. <laughs> I can, what? like, a little bit. It's kind of like, um, like in and out almost. Yeah, I don't know why. I had this issue on a, a Google, Google Meet as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think even like going back to like even just um like being a mom and like you have like you got like we just don't really have that other choice. Like you just have to wake up and do the damn thing because there is no other option. Like we have little tiny humans that are like that need us. And then, you know, I, I was thinking too about like working and stuff and it's like our kids, they they need to see us being you know, doing something and sticking to something and like, you know, taking them into those spaces. And, you know, Kayla talked about taking your kids to school with you, right, as you were getting your degree. And it, and it just goes to show like anything is possible. Like a single mother literally made it to a lot. Like you just passed the bar. Like that's absolutely amazing. It's, it's really incredible. And I was just curious, um, who inspired you to become a lawyer? Tell us that story. Yes. Um, can you guys hear me better now? Yes. yes. Okay. okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So my number one inspiration to become a lawyer is Patricia Montour. So she was uh, a Mohawk uh, lawyer as well. She was, a, she was a professor at the U of S. Uh, she taught sociology. So, well, I was friends with her daughter when we were younger. We played soccer together. And after my accident, we were really close. She was always there for me. You know, she middle of the night type of person. Like, she wrote, she wrote poems and she would like always encourage me like I was going to be okay after my accident. And, and then, and then, you know, unfortunately she, she, she took her own life. Uh, and when we were teenagers, so that, that hit me hard. And when I first started post-secondary, I got this textbook called visions of the heart. It was an indigenous studies course. And I just opened it up to whatever page, just check it out. The very first page I open up, it says Patricia Montour. And it just, it was a chapter that she did on justice, on reforming the criminal justice system. And that was it. I was like, this is where you create change. You got to be able to, you know, be a lawyer. Like, so I just, I started studying her. I wrote papers on her. And, you know, till this day, like her book is like, her books are like what keeps me going and what keeps me grounded as well. Because mm -hmm. these firms aren't really, you know, well, a lot of these colonial institutions aren't really made for us as indigenous people or indigenous mm -hmm. women. So, you know, it's just like um, trying to be real to myself still. I always go back to her books. I always go back to her work. And, you know, and, and she talks about her struggles in this, in this system and going through education and trying to be a lawyer. And so, I mean, it's like, it, it, she's she she passed away as well but it's like i have i don't know somebody guiding me through this mm -hmm. and uh, it was the reason why i did it and also you know i had i had some my grandparents were a part of you know a lot of you know they worked really hard my one grandma was like 
downtown Vancouver, you know, with the Picton trials. She was like drumming and stuff. She, my grandma Edna Brass, and um, so things like that just really inspired me, you know, to keep going to justice and advocacy and becoming a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So what um, what is your what are you hoping to do with your degree now? What's the um, what's the what's the goal? So I'm class of 2020. I got my degree last year and then you article for a year and then you do the whole bar assessment or you get called to the bar. It's, it's kind of different in every province. Mm-hmm. So uh, and so we just got our grades back released on Friday morning and we were all getting kicked out of the system because we we're all trying to get in, on there at the same time. And like, <laughs> That was like, that was something else. But uh, yeah, and now like I'm, I'm working at a firm downtown Saskatoon. Um, they have their own First Nations group and they do a lot of like First Nations economic development. Um, they do, they do some small claims. They, you know, they, um, there's like litigation involved. There's, there's a, a lot of different areas when it comes to Indigenous law because Indigenous law is so, there's so many different things happening right now. We're, we're building our nations, right? Yeah. We're rebuilding our nations. There's child family services. You know, there's a, that new bill, C-92, that came out that gives us our jurisdiction to take back our child family services. So we have to build that. We have to create that. We have to create our own policies and things like that. So that's kind of the work that I've been doing more so is like, and, and then assisting, I've also been assisting with like, you know, businesses making these agreements, like treaty land entitlement agreements, uh, things like that also, I started doing a little bit of entertainment law. So I'm like, I want to help indigenous artists like navigate the system. And because a lot of them either get, you know, they don't really know what you're signing sometimes. <clears throat> Your work is like copyrighted, you know, and things like that. It can get stolen, appropriated. And so I was kind of like, I took an entertainment law class in law school and I was, I was really interested in it. And so I've, I've started working with some, artists already and it's exciting to see them blossom and be like oh maybe I had a little part in that with helping them you know so yeah I enjoy uh, kind of everything yeah. mm-hmm. that that sounds so that sounds great um just going back a little bit uh and you spoke a little bit about walking in like more so the colonial world um and I just want to say like yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Like as um, women and that are being educated, they, there's like this higher standard that you have to be held to almost because you have to be able to walk in that, like the more so colonial world and also walk in like as an, as an indigenous person as well. And um, this is like a little off topic, but um, what is, so you spoke that you got your grades back on Friday. Was that like one of the proudest moments that you've had? Yeah, it was definitely one of the proudest moments. Cause I feel like everything I've been doing has been worked right up to this point. You know, it was just like my undergrad, my law school, like so many years of extremely hard work, plenty of breakdowns, you know, was for this moment to find out. Cause now I don't, I'm, I'm good. I have to finish my articling term and then I like sign the scrolls and it's official because of COVID there's all these different, you know, things we can't do the ceremony the same way we would when you get called to the bar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like now that I pass, I know that I pass and I'm, I'm pretty much there. I'm pretty much in. So yeah, it was, that was a really amazing moment for me to, you know, find out that I, I, I actually did it. 
And I'm always kind of surprising myself. I never have that like super like confidence that I'm like, yeah, I got this. So I'm always kind of like first year law school. I was like, well, if I make it through first year and then I'm like, oh, if I make it through second year and then, you know, or even like writing the law student admission test, the LSAT, like I was like, if I get through this and it just kind of keeps happening. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you know what? I think it's that, that hard work does pay off. Absolutely. Do you feel now that you've accomplished, um, like you've accomplished your undergrad, law school, now the bar, your LSAT, all that, do you feel a little bit like not invincible, but more like I can really do anything? Because mm -hmm. honestly, I think you can. <laughs> Well, thank you. But uh, I, you know, we all, I think, you know, kind of, I, I suffer from some imposter syndrome for sure. I'm like, is this really happening? Like, this is really surreal. Like, I remember because my girls are, they're seven and five now. And they were just newborns with me in undergrad. And I was like rocking them on the rocking chair watching suits. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like them one day. <laughs> but, like, and then for me to actually be like in a suit, going to a law firm, doing all this legal stuff, like having like fed negotiations with the federal government, things like that. You know, I'm just like, wow, this is like, this is happening. Yeah. Like, that's so real. That's amazing that you were like, you've been able to accomplish it. And just like looking back at it now, um, just to, yeah, like, I guess Kayla said it, like, just, you just did it. Right. And like, you can do anything at this point, especially like, you know, being a single mom too, doing this, like that journey couldn't have been easy. You know, I just became a, a mom six months ago and I just think like, I'm like, it's so like, cause I have, like, I finished my degree already, but like, I was thinking about it. Cause Kayla, we've had these conversations about going to school with kids and I'm like, how my watch my mom do it and I'm just like how like I'm like I like I mean I could do it but I'm like it just is amazing to see other like you know women doing it and getting their degrees and getting educated because they want better for them lot like for their lives it's just phenomenal newfound respect for single moms or just moms in general mm -hmm. through school like same thing as you Ali I well, you didn't have your children in high school, but I had my son in high school and then I had my daughter right before I started university and like, same thing, um, like bring, having to bring my babies to school and things like mm -hmm. that. And, uh, yeah. No, but I mean like, because nobody's really doing that. So there, it's almost like people are judging you and they're looking at you weird. It's like, because I was like nine months pregnant in some of my classes and I was like, my, none of my clothes fit me right. I was like crying in the bathroom, you know, oh my God. <laughs> I like, oh, and, and, but like, you know, cause, and nobody else is like, I'm looking around, like nobody else is pregnant. Like, you know, nobody else is like has their kids very far and few. So, I mean, so the women that do do that, like mad props, because it's not easy going into those spaces, knowing that people are like just judging you just for being a mom. Like, mm -hmm. so. And like, you have to like worry, like as you're getting, like, as you have to be there present in the moment, but you have to now take care of like your kid, you have to make sure that their needs are met and that they are calm in order for you to like be at school, but to being, you know, to going there instead of not going to school. Right. And just, you know, skipping that class or something. That's amazing. I, I, I'd seen a few people in at university go and bring their kids as well. And I think it's cool. Like they just sit on the side of the room or whatever that may look like, but I think it's like, why can't, like, why can't our children be watching? us like why can't we take them and and I think like even like with um you know I want I don't want to go back and work for somebody at this point I want to become an entrepreneur I want my son to be able to be with me because I don't want and I don't want to have to apologize like if he's mm -hmm. in the room no he's here this is like you know 
accept it, right? Make it normal, bringing back those, like normalizing these, because this is like what we shouldn't be, you know, looked at differently if we have our children in those spaces. Because I feel like you're gaining too, like, and you know what your kids would have experienced too going to your classes, right? They're hearing that knowledge, they're soaking it up and they might not understand it at this point, but they're going to grow up listening to those conversations. Absolutely. Like, um, just having, uh, <laughs> where are my words? Are you um, struggling? Company that is pretty inclusive of like kind of family life and things like that. So I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, but one of like my proudest kind of most special moments was having my little girl, um, sit while I presented at think indigenous and like, that was just so special to me. And I'm really thankful that I got to do that. And absolutely, like Ali, it was kind of, I don't I don't want to say embarrassing, but I, it did feel a little bit like shameful, like having to like haul my children to school with me and things like that. But I mean, I think these experiences have definitely made us stronger. And they'll make our children stronger too, right? So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just taking it back a little bit, I was just wondering, I know you had mentioned um, there was an accident regarding your eye. I was just wondering for those of us who don't know if you could maybe um, tell us a little bit more about that and some of the challenges that um, you faced. Yeah, okay. So, well, I can't see like anything on the side of me. So like I bump into people and things. I'm a little bit clumsy. Uh, and, and, and other people don't really know that cause yeah, they can't tell right off the hop, but like it looks really yeah. real. And mm. so, you know, I, I don't know, dealing with, Oh, and then I had to quit my sports. I was in hockey. I was about to go play for the national Aboriginal hockey championships before my accident. And I had to quit, you know, I played soccer all the time, you know, and I don't go back to any of those sports because I have to be very careful in case anything was to ever happen to my good eye. So I can't be like being super risky, even though I'm still kind of him and, you know, I (laughs) snowboard and stuff, which is kind of risky, but I quit taking jumps. Uh, But (laughs) it like, so, I mean, it's been hard because also that just that kind of feeling different, I think. I think it's more of an insecurity thing that, uh, than anything, you know, um, than trying to, you know, you know, navigate the world with one eye. You know, it's like it's, you're always one eye in it. Like, I'm like <laughs> it's funny because sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't know why I do that. It's like because it makes no difference, but <laughs> I'll do that. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's kind of, it's just kind of scary, I guess, sometimes, because you're, you're worried that, you know, you, something could happen to the, the eye that you have, and mm-hmm. so you have to be more careful, and, you know, just even with people, other people, you know, you just, I don't know, I think it's just about being more careful, being more cautious, and I think setting more boundaries, and that type of thing, because, you know, giving people a heads up, like, hey, I can't see on this side, like, so, you know, and driving, you know, getting yeah. used to all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it took a while. And I applied to get, like, a handicapped parking pass. And they told me that I had to be legally blind in both eyes. I'm like, how does that work? in both eyes. Yeah, so I got denied for that. Because, I like, I thought, you know, oh, I could, like, park, you know, closer. It would be better for me. 
But yeah, they like literally said I had to be legally blind in both eyes. And I'm like, who's driving around like that? Honestly, I really, I'm sorry if there's any legally blind people listening. Yeah. How are you able to see other vehicles? That makes no sense. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, like with the, like I was just thinking about your quote and stuff and like, you know, because I'm still under, like I'm still not allowed to work from my car accident. It's been six years now. Um, I just like my surgery was just last week, hopefully my last one. Um, But like going back to like, you know, telling those older white men um, that you can like, you're going to do it Um, because like, you know, with the insurances too, it's almost like they like write about your life in like a perspective that it's not even about you. And like, cause I hadn't, like I've, I still deal with the insurance and stuff. So like, what was your kind of experience with that? And like, I almost feel like it's like, um, I, it's like me. And then I have, uh, I have to like answer to these SGI people because I can't do this and I am not allowed to do this. And I have to follow these like kind of, uh, restrictions and things just to f- make fit it in the box and, you know um but yeah like having like a third party i guess like really um come into your life and you kind of like how long were you um dealing with them for sgi (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was like i had to jump through so many hoops to prove what happened to me happened to me yes so like you can't really tell now and especially because the lighting but like i have Mm. scars like all across my face and like yeah and i had to like take a picture with a with a ruler and yes. like put it beside my scars and like I had to prove that they were this big and mm-hmm. like you know this bad and like they they made me go to do all these like these physio things but they treated me like a baby and I'm like I, I can do way more than that but yet they like you know it was just it was really frustrating mm-hmm. so they just make you jump to hoop after hoop after yeah. hoop to prove that what happened to, to you happened to you and it's like and they make you like relive the experience over and over and over again. And like, cause yeah, like they've made me so like, um, with my pelvis, I had so like traumatizing yeah, to have to relive those experiences every time. over and over. And like, it's almost like you, and you have to go to like psych, like they send you like psychologists and stuff mm-hmm. and they get like, they have to do an entire like deep look into your life. And it, like, you know, just for an example, like I was in, um, you know, therapy just for my mental health. Right. But then going into the, after the car accident, I was like, well, I would really like to go to therapy for my accident and like kind of talk about it. And, and then they're like, well, we're not going to pay because you were in therapy before. So we, we understand that you have like you had. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I said, this car accident really changed my life. And but now I have to continue to prove to you guys that this accident is the, why I can't do a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with um, so I'd break like I broke my pelvis eight months prior to my accident in a snowboarding accident. Risky. Don't hit those jumps. Let me yeah, tell you, <laughs> don't do it. I thought I was like Mark McMorris in the pro terrain park and broke my pelvis so that was I I deserve that one (laughs) but then um after so in the accident the way that I was sitting it refractured my pelvis but now who now SGI doesn't you know take responsibility because like because and then it's like you have to prove and like over and over and like I had to have a c-section because there it could have been complicated like having my son natural um and I could be risking like a lot more and so I had to make that decision as a mother um for the better interest of me but then trying to explain that to sgi like this is what this car accident you know kind of did right and then them just not have like you know no one and 
you know, not having your voice and stuff to advocate for yourself within those situations um, is so tra- like traumatizing for, you know, the people that could, are experiencing that. And like, ha- did you find yourself kind of like battling with these people telling them like, hey, this is, you know, like, this is what I need. This is what happened to me. Oh, extremely triggered. I swear, every time I would get like a phone call from them, I would be, I would break down after, you know, mm-hmm. I was just, I would, it was, it was not, it was really frustrating to deal with. But I, you know, I, I knew too, it's like a tactic. It's a tactic that they use because they want you to settle for, they don't, they don't want you to keep fighting for what you actually deserve for that car accident or whatever you went through. They yeah. want you to just like, you know, cause they gave me an offer right away. And I was like, that's like a slap in the face, all the stuff that I went through and I'm going to continue to go through for the rest of my life because of this. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and that's kind of where I started, like, you know, having that kind of like lawyer mindset where it's just like, like, you know, negotiating and, and having that voice and advocating for yourself and being like, no, I deserve more than this. Are you kidding me right now? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and it's different here than it is in the States and the yeah. States are getting like million dollar settlements because of stuff like this. And here you, you're, you're capped out and then they're trying to give you less all the time. And then they're re-traumatizing you mm-hmm. so that you just settle and you sign because you just want to be over and done with it. Mm-hmm. They're like bullying you out of the process pretty much. And I think that people who maybe aren't able to like really advocate on their behalf would settle for a lot less. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really sad to hear that that's the process that you both had to go through and that many, many, many others have to go through yeah. as well. And like, yeah, like, cause they even, they, I'd asked for like, um, some like an advocate for something because I was like, I'm just not being heard here. And, Mm -hmm. and at that point I was really young at the time. Like I was 21 when I was in my accident and I hadn't found my voice at this point. And so I had no idea how to navigate my way through. And then I finally was just like, there was a transitional moment in my life where I was just like, I am done living like this and I'm done being not heard. Like I, we we're not doing this anymore. Listen up. This is what we're going to do now. And it kind of changed. So can you like, can you recall a time maybe even through the accident or, after going into school that where you're just like absolutely not I want different and do you have that moment do you have like some a moment like you might resonate with yeah I I think more so like in school especially like law school where you're just kind of I don't know I I was I was pretty loud uh I just I wear very radical t-shirts you know like Gotland thinking Indian you know I, I walk into spaces I wear that stuff during my presentations you know like I wear the earrings I wear you know I'm pretty much I have a lot of tattoos that are like Mm -hmm. and you don't have a lot of people like that in those spaces you know or they're trying they kind of are trying to fit in a lot of people so they're not they're not being that out there but I noticed that like I think in law schools where I was really started to to embrace and be more loud about you know Mm -hmm. I'm proud of who I am and because I felt like it was almost kind of being well, when you read a lot of the cases and, you know, and a lot of these cases, unfortunately, are just, um, they're also trauma, trauma triggering because of like what happens to First Nations people. Mm-hmm. And then they never, a lot of these cases, either they don't end up winning these cases, you know, and they're, something happened to somebody that's like, brutal, you know, you go into criminal law, whatever class you're studying, even it's like a lot of these land claims, you're like, oh, you're reading the case. It sounds like they might get something. And then all of a sudden at the very end, it's like, nah. And it's like, it's so defeating. So I was just like, no, I'm not going to be defeated. Like I'm going to embrace who I am. I'm going to be, you know what I'm presenting to people. Like they're going to know like mm. what the 
is about and that this is a serious issue that's ongoing because a lot of people don't understand that a lot of issues that we have today from back in the day are continuing on like a lot and people who are educated you know they don't understand that so mm -hmm. i think yeah that kind of that voice mm -hmm. i was really really came out more in law school yeah that's amazing like i yeah i don't know like finding your voice i just i it just something something to do with once you find your voice you just you can't be stopped <laughs> No, it's I'm so often, true. I'm often like the loudmouth one as well, mm -hmm. like at work. Maybe not so much in in university. I think that's more more so when I did find my voice was university as well. And just um, I went through the Indian teacher education program, and I just I absolutely loved it. I felt so supported throughout the whole program, and they just really, um, yeah, helped me find my voice. Um, but I loved what you were saying, Allison. You're like, they're going to know who the hell I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that a lot of the, in, when I was in law school, a lot of the stuff that I read made me go back and think about the SGI stuff when because I, I was just a kid. I was 17 when that all yeah. happened, right? And then for years, I had to deal with their stuff. And so I think a lot of, what I when I was in law school, I was like, oh, I've kind of done this. I've kind of been through this. I've kind of seen this happen already. I've experienced it. So um, that that SGI experience and that car accident really was something that made me stronger. So, mm -hmm. mm. so Paige commented, and when you use your voice, it inspires other around you to find theirs. Absolutely. Yes. One of our goals here mm. at the Compact is we hope to also inspire others to find their voice and um, know that, like, you are going to be faced with adversities and things like that. But we just really hope that you persevere because um, you are resilient. And you're worthy of it. Right. And mm. right. Like, and I, and like kind of goes back to like, you know, we share lots on our social medias and we're open about our stories and, you know, cause we all are, are our own stories and we can navigate those. Right. And, and, you know, someone had reached out um, to me about, you know, the comeback and like, you know, just sent like a nice, like inspiring, like, you know, what you're, what you guys are doing. And I was like, this is exactly why we're doing it. Even if it just, you know, helps other people and like having these Sunday night conversations about fun the voice talking about the realities like it is shit work to get to like you know where we're at the top like it's hard there's, there's so many adversities so many different things that are going to come up but you have to be able to like navigate and just openly talk about it because I feel like there's such negative stigma around going through um, adversities and challenges and and people don't want to talk about it and you were saying Allison in the beginning that you know they don't want you to bring your stuff if you're dealing with something at home or whatever that case is you have to be like one way and like I feel that that is not we're, we're not going to get anywhere if that we're hiding that right like being open and honest and like saying like yes I might not be able to be present today because I'm going through this but you know let me take a day and then I can come back but like utilizing your voice to be understood too right and like it, do you have any advice for people about like you know maybe they're they're wanting to mm -hmm. um find their voice or any advice really if you want to share well, I think it just comes back to that embracing your scars. You know what I mean? Like that's like a lot of people are ashamed about like some things that may have happened to them in the past. And, you know, it's, and it's not, you don't have to be loud about it. You don't have to be like, you know, share everything with everybody. If, like that's not for everyone either. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, you can do it in a different way where it's just like, mm-hmm. sometimes I just love those, those things about yourself that, mm-hmm. that you, and I think for me, um, like an example of this is like where I, I was in the, it's a native law summer program. It's a program you take before law school and it's like, it's, it's a boot camp. It's, it's hard. We're all crying. And, but like, we're, but we're all bonding in there as mm-hmm. well. And it's indigenous people from across Canada all coming together. So you meet people like who are still my friends today who are in Ontario and BC and everywhere. Right. And one of my best friends here in Saskatoon. So, um, anyways, it was one of those days where I was just like, we all thought we were going to fail. We weren't made for this. And um, I, I went to school and I went left my house my first time without my eye in because I sat there and I didn't say anything. You know, it wasn't outspoken, but I just sat there without my eye in just being like, you can't mess with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like or I'm strong. Like I got this. Like I've been through things, you know, like it's, it was like, it was like a moment for me where I just embraced who I was like without wearing my prosthetic eye sitting in the classroom of people right and looking at the professor you know and it's just like an I don't care what they think or what they say this is me this is who I am and no matter what even if I did fail you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I'm embracing who I am it doesn't even matter it's a win-win because I'm, I'm finding myself it's not about you know and we're gonna we're gonna fail I know people who didn't pass courses but then they they went back and passed it after mm-hmm. you know I know people who 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 continue to push forward. It's I, I've had days where it was just like, you know, really hard, especially with, you know, two children and stuff. And I thought it was like, you know, I was going to give up, but you know, I just like, I had like, I had a conversation with somebody too, that finding your voice is like having people in your corner. So, I mean, like I had uh, Maria Campbell as a professor for my indigenous legal processes class. And, I that it was my third year of law school, my last term, and I was just so burnt out. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, and I was like crying in her office, and she was just like, No, this is your journey. Like, you were born for this. Like, you are you're here for a reason. So sometimes you need the other people to help you find your mm-hmm. voice, right? You to be able to reach out to people especially people who you know are, you know, good, who are mm-hmm. like, there's also, also going to be other people who want to bring you down. You know, I've had people say horrible things <clears throat> about my scars on my eyes too. And like, and now when I look at that, I don't really get that anymore ever. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, but there was the people I was surrounding myself with back in the day who yeah. were saying things like that. But now that I don't really surround myself with that, those type of people, all I have is people like encouraging me or uplifting me. Right. And so, so I think that's really important when finding your voice too, is just finding those good people that will, you know, accept you for you and help you, you know, kind of do that in the process. I really, really go ahead, Shyla. <laughs> I really resonated with what you had to say. And, you know, it's, it is really important, you know, the people that we have around us because, you know, we, we are going to maybe have those days where, you know, we're not so loud in those spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just on a, a conference call today and I, I had a couple of questions and I was taking up all of this time in this space for the majority of it. And, you know, at the end, I was like, I'm sorry that I took up too much time. And somebody jumped on and was like, never apologize for taking up your space. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, oh, it brought me back. Like, you're, she's right. And so it's sometimes that little reminder is, is, is what we need to, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I know it's so it's kind of hard because like there's that little bit of like that like feedback or not feedback but like that one second and then you say something and then everyone starts talking yeah, <laughs> yeah that's Absolutely. amazing and I think like surrounding yourself with good people right like that it it changes I was just listening um my mom shared this podcast with me it's like the mindset mentor and he was saying something like if you want to be a billionaire surround yourself with like five other billionaires if you want to not be successful surround yourself with people not doing anything right like you are going to be the person who you surround yourself with and who you are because like I my life oh I could not have gotten through all of my stuff without my support group because it, it comes back to them like they've all supported me and I think we each have those people right that we we fall back on when we need yeah no definitely finding your people is crucial to um finding your voice i think you know those people are going to support you to to speak your truth Mm -hmm. and then and then so then you kind of notice who who your people are because so like the ones who don't want you to is kind of the ones you kind of want to just stay you know kind of keep your maybe guard up or you know Mm -hmm. watch out for and um, you gotta just gotta be careful because we're still like living in a world that's very individualistic where people are kind of still looking out for number one. And so, you know, you mm-hmm. have to keep in mind about that too, because if you're too trusting and you're too open, then, you know, you're kind of opening yourself up to vulnerability where you can get hurt from more people. So it's, there's a lot, there's, you know, pros and cons and, you know, thinking about both ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think... I'm I'm very fortunate for the people that I do have in my life now who definitely always support me, like my friends and my family and my boyfriend and, you know, my daughters are my number one fans and Mm -hmm. it's super cute. Mm, That's beautiful. I absolutely love seeing, um, like, you share sometimes your little girl's artwork and things like that and they just seem like the cutest little cheerleaders in your corner. Um, You're doing an amazing job raising them, by the way. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, Allison, what's next for you? (laughs) Well, I I was offered an associate position at the firm that I've been articling with. And so I am... I'm going to continue working there as a lawyer and continue, you know, kind of opening files and, you know, hopefully doing more like First Nation um, economic development or, you know, I want to do more nation building stuff or more rights. And also, I don't know, I'm, I, I, I write. So I have a monthly column with Eagle Feather News and I kind of like really enjoy that. You know, I, you know, to be honest, I have wrote a book. And I just haven't had the time to get an editor and things like that and get it all lined up. And so I, I want to do that. I want to release a book that's more about my life and what I've seen and what I've overcome and being a single mom and this and then being indigenous. And But I also want to have like a book that's about like, cause so I wrote like crazy papers in law school, like a, like a paper in law school is like 50 pages. And so I wrote like a bunch of them because I preferred papers over tests. And um, I prefer writing. I like writing. So I kind of want to slap together like an Indigenous rights kind of book because I wrote about like Indigenous taxation. I wrote about First Nation economic justice. I wrote about, you know, um, like the border, like being an illusionary border. <laughs> it wasn't, it's titled differently, but you know, like Turtle Island is Turtle Island. And, 
you know, kind of asserting these inherent rights and things like that. So, yeah, I want to continue writing. And I don't know, you never know. Like, I've, a lot of people have kind of hinted towards politics. And, you know, I've seen my dad be my chief my whole life. So it's kind of in my blood. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But that's it's amazing. pretty exciting. So it's the beginning. Yeah. Big. Is- oh, go ahead. Big things, girl. Big things. Yeah, that's amazing. Writing a book. Oh, I like, let me know when you figure out the editor and I will buy it as soon as possible. I love reading. Uh, we'll check out the Eagle Feather news. I had no idea you had the column in there until I'd read the bio. So I'll go check it out. What do you kind of, what do you, like writing about in the eagle feather news what are you so it was it's kind of a a little bit of a justice piece i guess but it's uh it's more of opinion so they kind of just give us a topic every month like sports go at her you know figure it out i I wrote a lot about the like for the past years kind of I, i always kind of try to relate it to indigenous law and um my own experiences but now I'm kind of trying to take more of a journalist look at it as well. And I, this, this month for May, I interviewed a group of indigenous, young indigenous women who started the uh, wellness group, the Neo wellness. And so I, I highlighted them and I gave, you know, I interviewed them and I like, I love that. So I kind of think maybe, you know, highlighting more of our in, strong indigenous leaders coming up and, or, or even who have been here for a while, you know, things like that. I um took I took some university classes with Shayna and Kayla. Yeah, yeah they're great. I played nice. with Shayna and I played uh, soccer with Kayla a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's awesome to see how many a lot of people embracing you know like who they are and rising up and you know just doing doing really good things. Uh, and because it's a it just has a positive impact on our youth, especially so. And even this, you know, like, so thank you so much for having me. And like, uh, this is a really positive, you know, group of people and strong women. And so thank you. Yes, thank you so much for joining. It has been amazing. And um, we'll share the episode with you. Um, And then... Yeah, we can uh, share. We'll just we'll uh, I took a quote from you, actually. Uh, Finding your people is crucial to finding your voice. And that really like resonated with me because, yeah. It's so true. And I think we, you know, we all, we experience such different journeys, but yet we can like, you know, we have so many similarities with each of us, right? Um, just on this journey and stuff together. So it's been really awesome to sit down and chat with you. Um, we are super honored. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And for all our listeners and viewers, be loud and be proud. Yes. Stay <laughs> yeah. deadly. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, We will be back next Sunday with another guest. Stay tuned. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.